Hello. If you are listening, then you are here on purpose. This is a podcast about fighting a system and staying rebellious while incarcerated. The show takes the form of a recorded phone call between myself in Chicago and my twin brother locked up in a federal transfer overflow jail in Grady County, Oklahoma. I am Jason. And we are... Twin Trouble! Welcome to the show's Twin Trouble Special Mayday Edition. How y'all doing? Revolutionary greetings. Jeremy, how you feeling? Uh, all things considered, uh, uh, I'm pulling out of the sickness. Uh, it's been it's been a hell of a month uh, since we your episode, right? Yeah, it's been a long time. A lot of shit has happened. Um, I feel like the entire world has been turned upside down since last time we recorded. Um, the coronavirus pandemic has only begun to really seep into people's consciousness. Now it's all anyone ever really thinks and worries about. But we got a lot to talk about this issue, this episode, don't we? Let's, um, of course, being the Mayday edition, we want to talk about all the actions that's been going on the last few days against our capitalist overlords. And uh, we'll get to that a little bit later. We'll also be talking about the impact of the coronavirus on people within uh, the jails and prisons um, and how uh, they have failed to protect us from this pandemic. Right, a lot to talk about, but... Before we get to that, we'd like to pick up where we left off in February. You and Chelsea were still resisting the grand jury, but that grand jury has since ended and your contempt has been lifted. Yes, that's right. Wow, that feels like it was so long ago. Uh, so yeah, last we spoke, uh, I was in, still in Alexandria, Virginia, um, fighting this grand jury subpoena. Uh, the good news is that, yes, we uh, both me and Chelsea managed to beat. It was a win. Uh, they dropped the grand jury. Uh, so uh, Chelsea, of course, and I was free. Um, me, uh, I'm on my way back to the feds. I still have a little bit of time left on my sentence. So I'm uh, in transit on my way back to uh, Memphis. But uh, this, it's been quite an adventure since then, though. Yeah, it was unfortunate timing for your transfer because this had all happened right as the coronavirus basically prompted the BOP to cancel all transfers and visits. Yes, that's right. Um, however, they did pick me up from Alexandria, um, and uh, I just ended up getting caught in transit uh, during the uh, BOP's uh, shutdown, lockdown, quarantine. Um, so, I mean, what first happened was uh, they immediately took me from Alexandria to uh, a regional jail called um, Northern Neck Regional Jail. And, yeah, speaking of uh, raggedy, this goes with our raggedy-ass jail section. Uh, yeah, that was a real dump. You know, there was basically nothing. They, they gave us, like, only the clothes that we was wearing. You know, the food was terrible. Um, really nothing to say about that jail, except they did barely even gave us soap. Uh, Fortune was only there for maybe a week. Then they, um, they actually did the uh, BOP airlift. They took us to uh, Harrisburg, the East Coast uh, plane plane trip. You know, it would be a dozen buses. Like, this the same thing like we talked about in the first episode, how they do the federal transits, right? Yeah. They brought us to uh, Oklahoma City uh, like they normally do during the transfers. However, uh, this time, because of the... Uh, coronavirus pandemic Oklahoma City transfer center was closed down so they took everybody on the plane as they've been doing for the past month and a half and brought them to this uh this cornball ass jail called Grady County Jail um in Oklahoma and uh yeah what, what a dump you know I, I've seen some dumps um you know I know I've talked shit about Alexandria in the past but um this this is quite a dump uh so I've been here for the past six weeks uh you know unfortunately they stopped all transfers basically as soon as they got here Damn, that really sucks to be stuck in a county jail during the pandemic. As we've talked about before, county jails can be some of the raggediest jails in the prison system. I mean, you released a video message not too long ago where you were mentioning that there are triple bunking people in there. Now, I've never heard of triple bunking, but does that literally mean three beds on top of each other? 
Yeah, uh, yeah, they do triple bunking here. It's basically dormitory style. There's just rows of triple bunks, um, you know, so much for social distancing, right? Yeah. <clears throat> I actually wrote them uh, saying, hey, this, you can't you can't be doing people like this during this pandemic. But uh, they said the six-foot social distancing rule don't apply to jail is literally what they said twice. Uh, so, yeah, this place is a dump, Grady County Jail. The food is, like, really terrible. I mean, it's bologna sandwiches and just grits. All, you know, this is nothing. There's, you know, no fruits at all, period. Uh, there's no onset rec, there's no air, sunlight, you know, no educational or religious programming, of course. Uh, they, we get one set of clothes a week, one change-up a week. Um, there's just a fine layer of dust that just covers everything. It's just coming out of events. Um, you know, there's no BOP people here to handle any questions or handle people's release dates. There's no hand sanitizers. Uh, they only just started giving us masks, like, maybe a week or two ago. Um, and for people who are actually here... Uh, for county for county jail inmates uh, who aren't federal kids, they actually charge them thirty dollars a day to be here. What? Um, which is ridiculous. Yeah, thirty bucks. Like I don't know where the money's going. But um, the thing, the the other thing about it is this place is a big money suck. I mean, this, this one thing people say that's good about this place is they do commissary every every day. But uh, you know, it's so overpriced. I mean, they make money off the video phone. They make money off the regular phone. They make money off this email texting thing. They and they make money off the uh, commissary. It's like four different ways, four different terrifying having the symptoms and not being able to get tested to find out whether or not you had the coronavirus i mean what, what's the jail doing what's their response uh well basically they don't care about us man like they uh grady county is choosing to ignore the problem um so do we know at least one person died at the fdc oklahoma city uh transfer center uh, of coronavirus uh and here at grady county jail well for the, the entire time we've been here they were saying that nobody here has got corona you know even though they only done a few tests and everybody who did get sick, they just transferred somebody else. Um, and then we saw on the news uh, that somebody died here in Grady County Jail of coronavirus, the uh, first inmate in the state. Um, yeah, his name was William Dean Brain, or Billy OG, I guess was his nickname. They uh, was at the Grady County Jail, caught coronavirus, and died. He's 52 years old. He died uh, April 28th, which was, uh, and he would, news didn't come out about his death until today. It was May 8th. That's right, they knew for a whole week, and uh, and we had to find out from the news, you know, on TV, that he had died. So, again, like, it's just a really dangerous situation here, and they're still, you know, packing, keeping this place packed in these dorms, like, knowing that the virus is just affecting everybody. They haven't been testing people, and, uh, and as soon as they do uh, test anybody who's running a fever, what they do is they just get them out of here. They uh, send them somewhere else. Uh, so that way they just are able to keep the federal contract, uh, keep federal prisons coming in and out. Um, so a lot of people actually aren't reporting that they're sick because uh, uh, what, what 
they do is they don't want to be sent to isolation. Um, you know, a lot of people don't want to lose phone or TV privileges and so forth, right? Um, more importantly, people don't want to lose their plane ticket out of here because, you know, if, if they uh, test positive, uh, they're, they're, they're not going to be sent to their prison. They're just going to be held in isolation for several more weeks and uh, miss their flight. Um, and, and, and it ain't like medical's going to be able to do anything for you anyway because you'd be like tired all around. So, um, so a lot of people are just choosing to sweat it out on their own. That's quite a dilemma. That's quite a double bind that prisoners find themselves in, having to potentially sacrifice their own conditions. I mean, it's not like they're going out of the way to test people. A few people did get, uh, you know, hit the button several times and saying that they couldn't breathe, and it, it took them like a whole hour to like get out for them to even upstairs and do anything with the person, you know, and they didn't do anything for them anyway other than put them in isolation. Uh, so basically, they don't give a fuck about us. Me, I chose not to tell them that I was sick because. Uh, uh, well, I got this book that you all sent me, and I'm uh, halfway through that I'm trying Jeremy. to finish by the time I get up out of here. And, uh, you know, if they put me in isolation Jeremy, or transit, the book is not as important as your health. You need to put the book down. Okay, keep reading, the, keep, keep reading the book. But, you, I mean, I'm glad to hear that you're doing better. And it's, it's kind of unbelievable that they're really not doing anything in there. Like, I mean, that's what the story we've been hearing across the country is that they're basically, like, they're saying people's symptoms aren't as bad as it really is. People are expressing symptoms, but if they're not, you know, temperature with a high enough fever they're basically just told to drink water and lie down maybe given some tylenol it's like they're basically ignoring the problem pretending like the the coronavirus is not as bad as it really is right i mean the bop does keep track they got a a death tracker on the website to tell people how many people are infected uh both inmates and staff uh, and how many people have died and i believe it's like in the, uh, the 30s um and, you know, several institutions have been more affected than others, you know, uh, Oakdale, uh, Elkton, Lowe in Ohio. Uh, and, you know, you know, the Lowe's and the camps um, are particularly affected because, you know, a lot of them are dormitory-style uh, setups like, like this, right, where everybody's, you know, the BOP's on lockdown, right, everybody's in their cells and so forth, right, but at the Lowe's and camps where they're uh, in the dorms, you know, people are still, you know, within close contact to each other, you know, um, and so it's just as... There's no way around it that, that something like this would spread very easily. A lot of places have been hit really hard. In fact, recently it just set out that 70% of people who have been tested at the BOP have got it. That yeah, that's right. Um, apparently they had tested the entire uh, prison of uh, Terminal Island in uh, California, federal prison, and out of 1,000 people, something like 450 people had it. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, several people have also died at that institution as well. So, I mean, it's, it is kind of out of control. Um, and, of course, this is with the BOP being on lockdown, and it just basically shows that uh, they're not really prepared to deal, you know, with uh, this as a medical crisis. Uh, you know, basically, they just, just tell you to sit and wait. And, uh, you know, if you have trouble breathing, you know, by the time, you know, it's actually a really big deal to bring somebody to a hospital from prison. Um, you know, I put them on ventilators, not to mention that it'll probably be too late um, by the time, you know, to put them on a ventilator or something. So basically they're just, they're just hoping, you know, hoping that people don't die and that they just relatively contain the virus. But again, like a lot of institutions on lockdown, like we're talking about the dorms or, you know, people in transit and so forth like this, uh, or just people just don't know that they have it, you know? So right. really, like we said, we just gotta let people go. Yeah. Um, it's also negligence and, um, and, and pure laziness on the on the jail's part like they're they're just putting people from one dorm to the next moving people without making sure 
to not cross contaminate. And then people and guards aren't always wearing their masks and gloves, and they're working multiple different dorms, basically spreading whatever germs or anything from one place to the next. It's like they're really dropping the ball and making sure that people are safe. Yeah, and like we've been asking them for hand sanitizer, and uh, they've been telling us that well, because it's you know you need alcohol-based hand sanitizer for Corona, that we'd abuse them, right? You know, they always quote safety and security of the institution and, and the population, but it's like I can't imagine a, a more a better of how you know we need the alcohol-based hand sanitizer. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so the BOP's been locked down. Uh, they, they recently extended their uh, phase five plan to phase six that goes to May 18th for like an extra month. Um, and so they are actually still transferring people up out of here. So I'm hoping I leave in the next week or two, um, although I've been here six weeks already. General Barr said that they directed the BOP to basically start releasing people who are close to the end of their sentence, especially giving priority to people who have high vulnerabilities and uh, underlying health conditions. Um, are you know? So, are you seeing any of that? Are, are people getting released early, or what? What's the deal? Well, I haven't seen any of that. Um, I know a lot of state systems, uh, like even here in Oklahoma, they released several hundred people. Um, uh, several countries in the world, of course, have like France, uh, the UK, even Iran, like we had talked about, like in the last episode. Right. Um, the BOP, uh, yeah, the Attorney General did tell the BOP uh, in strongly worded letters uh, that they should begin releasing people immediately. Uh, one of the things that was uh, put in the uh, CARES Act uh, that passed recently uh, did lift the time limit on the amount of home confinement time that uh, the wardens can give people to an unlimited amount. Basically, they could release people to home confinement immediately with no questions asked. They have that discretion now. But uh, <laughs> the problem is they haven't really been using that. Um, they, they said that they did release, I think, 1,300 people, all minimum security inmates to home confinement. Um, they're prioritizing uh, campers who are already, like, out custody status. Um, and they're... Uh, also prioritizing people who are at affected institutions uh, like Otisville Camp, I guess they released a lot of people. Um, however, of course, this is 170-something thousand federal prisoners, uh, and so releasing like about a thousand camp not really going to make a big difference. Right. Uh, you know, really, they need to start like mass releasing people if they're, you know, because there's still this basically, you know, I know a lot of the people who have died already had short sentences, and so to think that they're holding them in a place where they're not able to prevent them from know catching the coronavirus or you know we don't have the freedom uh to take the proactive steps necessary to defend ourselves against it you know i mean all of us will be safer and home you know with our loved ones to where we could like make our own choices in life as to whether we're going to get the corona or not whether that or to be stuck in jail and in his dormitory house set up with where you know we, we don't even stand a chance right I hear a lot of halfway houses have been hit pretty hard by coronavirus as well and i hear that they're directing people straight to home confinement that's right. Uh, I know, for example, the uh, Detroit halfway house, uh, 
which was a lot of people that Corona uh, had, you know, Michigan was hit pretty hard. Uh, they closed the half bath and just released everybody at home this time. Uh, you know, Chicago was pretty hit pretty hard as well. And has the jail uh, also, you know. Oh, both MCC downtown and Cook County Jail have major outbreaks. It's been reported that more than 800 people, over 400 detainees and 400 guards have tested positive. And there have already been seven people who have died from coronavirus that they likely caught while being locked up inside the county jail. Although Sheriff Tom Dart has failed to protect people's safety by refusing a mass release of people inside of CCJ, and progressive state attorney Kim Fox, despite decrying the conditions inside, continues to prosecute and bring new people into the jail. In the 11th hour, a string of rushed emergency bond review and reduction hearings were put together by public defenders before the courts closed in March, which gave about 700 people the ability to make a bond and secure their pretrial freedom. But there are still about 4,000 people inside who have never been convicted and are presumed innocent, a great number of who are only still inside because they were giving a bond they could not afford. My group, the Chicago Community Bond Fund, has been working with other prisoner advocacy groups and lawyers to file a federal lawsuit, which fell short of securing a mass release, but got a judge to order the sheriff to do more for people inside in regards to social distancing and PPE, which only began being distributed around April 13th. But the jail struggles to house such large numbers in single-unit cells, having had to rely on dorm units and dilapidated old divisions that have been shut down and inoperable for years. And people are still unable to get tested for coronavirus. Only if you have an extremely high temperature are you even given the possibility of them even entertaining the notion of considering thinking about giving you the coronavirus test. If you are showing other symptoms, you might just be told to drink water and lie down. It's truly a gross violation of people's health. Whether or not you have been convicted by a judge, nobody should endure conditions at all but guarantee that you catch this virus. I mean, people's lives are in the hand of these jailers who are truly failing at doing the minimum to protect people during this pandemic. And if you are not able to protect people's health, you need to be releasing people in mass. But unfortunately, what we're seeing is a trickle when what we need is a torrent. The state dragging their feet is killing people. Right. I mean, the fact that those can't protect people from something, uh, it really is exacerbated. And it's also a public safety risk for the general population and the world as well because, you know. Because people, most people in jail are going to be released anyway. Of course. Okay, well, Jeremy, what about you? I mean, you were uh, your timeline got started again because the grand jury uh, contempt was lifted, so that means your clock started again. Um, have you been doing your calculations? How have you been doing your calculations? How much time do you think you're at? Do you think that, uh, I mean, you're, you're obviously included being what they call a short-timer in terms of being close to the end of their sentence or at least close to where you're eligible for a halfway house or a home confinement, but now the, the BOP has been directed to basically release people as much as they can who are close to the end of their sentence. So what, what do you think mm -hmm. you're at? I, I am a short-timer. Uh, you know, I have eight years and some change in uh, a 10-year sentence. Uh, I did lose five months because of the grand jury uh, contempt of court. Um, I did lose the RDAP time. Um, nevertheless, uh, I'm about 14 months to my BOP max date. Um, so even if this current stuff wasn't going on, I'm, I'm eligible for release to halfway house uh, in two months. Uh, you know, the Second Chance Act provides that they could give you up to 10% of your sentence in the halfway house or home confinement, right? So I'm already at that point, you know, through here. I'm not sure, you know, how they're going to rule on that wait until I get back to Memphis. Um, and yet we did, uh, with the help of Elisa Lee, uh, a close comrade, uh, did submit a letter to the BOP. Uh, requesting uh, immediate release uh, due to the coronavirus, extraordinary, compelling circumstances, and let us back that I'm so close to so close to my update, anyways, and then I'm being held at a facility where 
it's, it's not healthy or sanitary. Well, this is good news. I mean, that means you're within two months, perhaps, really any time, I guess, within two months of being back in the world. Um, I mean, there's like uh, there's some light at the end of the tunnel. There's a ray of sunshine at the end of all this. Is that you yourself are very close to being the end? So, yeah, it's about over with. Um, uh, I guess that's the one thing that I needed to do before I got up out of here is uh, catch Corona at Grady County Jail. God. That was the one thing I was missing. That is such a cosmic joke. Eight years, so close to the end. Yeah, I'm glad to hear you're doing a little bit better. It's terrifying to hear that you may have the symptoms and you don't know if you have it or not because they're not testing people. of massive strikes the weather gets better we're all anxious to go out and shake the walls of injustice but looks like this year everyone's masking up <laughs> but seriously but seriously resist resistance seems to have increased as more people are, are being able to see the inherent violence of capitalism as the pandemic exposes the, the lines of vulnerability that have always existed but is becoming far more urgent Everywhere, and this includes cities or towns where people might assume there isn't a lot of activism. People are organizing car caravans that are supported by small numbers of people on foot or bike and making sure to practice social distancing, of course, while engaging in this. We're also seeing uh, strikes, rent strikes, debt strikes, hunger strikes in prisons. Uh, there are people in Rikers Island who have been staging strikes. People in Cook County Jail have been saying hunger strikes over the conditions of coronavirus. We have mass walkout, walkouts of the jobs, mass calling in sick work slowdowns, boycotts of major companies, which are continuing to be hiring and exploiting workers while not providing PPE, decent health insurance, hazard pay, or paid sick time, and in many cases, the bonuses promised for continuing to risk their lives on the job or people are just not getting. Workers are being called essential and heroes by the government, but many of the jobs that are available always have been like minimum or low-wage positions in the first place and, you know, demonstrating that they're not really showing that they're as valuable as they really are. They're not they're, they're called heroes, but they're not getting paid like it. Um, mm. Some of the major strikes or refusals of work are happening are at like places like uh, Amazon, Whole Foods, Target, Walmart, FedEx, Instacart, and Ship. But with about half the states beginning to reopen various businesses, what we're seeing is that even if you were laid off from your job, if you don't go back to work, you could lose your eligibility for unemployment, which puts everyone who is staying at home, minding their own business, flattening the curve, suddenly having to risk getting infected by going back to work again in order to pay the bills. 
Uh, not to mention that the government, you know, this is the second uh, hundreds of billions of dollars uh, of bailout going to business owners uh, is basically another wealth transfer um, that, you know, a lot of working class people aren't going to be seeing um, any of that money either. Yeah, for sure. The first people they bailed out with this whole thing was the trillion and a half to the fucking Wall Street bankers and all that. The aid that is coming in for unemployment or federal stimulus is still also largely inaccessible for large segments of the population, especially undocumented immigrants, and thanks to Trump, also their spouses now. But uh, also people who are in debt, we're seeing that their stimulus being nabbed immediately before they even see it by debtors, and also adults who are dependents when people are filing their taxes. Also, people who are deemed eligible for unemployment are really not finding themselves receiving benefits in timely manners. It's a, it's like we were saying, a convoluted system to even certify. In many cases, the unemployment offices for various states are just over flooded. You can't get through, uh, which, which it's far too little, too late because debt collectors and uh, landlords are still, they're still demanding their money. Um, people, right. people have been protected for a little bit because there's been a widespread moratorium on evictions, but that are. Um, so we're, I'm sure we're going to be seeing a lot of people who are, um, who are going to be evicted or who are facing massive rent debt, even if there is a moratorium on, uh, like, um, evictions at the moment, they're still accruing the money that eventually they, they will be expected to pay or, you know, either be sued or evicted. But, uh, with, uh, the federal government's guidelines on social distancing ending, and Trump doing his best to encourage the reopening of the economy despite health experts suggesting is far too early. The discretion is being left to state governors to decide to what degree they'll allow businesses to reopen. And about half of the states in the so-called U.S. are ending the stay-at-home orders and effectively giving the green light for people to go back to some sort of normalcy if that were at all possible. In fact, uh, you, you probably heard that uh, Trump evoked the Wartime Defense Production Act to executive order the meat industry to, to reopen full knowledge that the slaughterhouses have, have become hotspots for the contagion and people working them are facing extremely dangerous conditions uh, working very close next to each other, for example. Um, so, of course, naturally, the maskless, bleach-drinking right-to-workers are taking cues from their overlord and are coming out in hordes, crying fascism and demanding the reopening of the economy. They're even going out in May Day on a workers' right holiday to go and wave some flags and wear their MAGA hats. <clears throat> and um, these are the, the sort of Karens and COVID-19 denialist militia types actually holding guns and holding signs that say, over my dead body will we keep the American economy closed. In fact, Michigan, the, yeah. the police allowed them to storm the state capitol building with don't tread on me and Confederate flags. <clears throat> yeah, I did see the I did see them on the news. Uh, and, you know, it struck me, you know, the signifiers, the uh, American flags, the yellow don't tread on me. The, uh, a lot of red, white, and blue, a lot of, you know, MAGA hats and stuff like that. I was like, it just seems like, you know, Tea Party, uh, alt-right, um, and, and a lot of conspiracy theorists about uh, vaccinations and so forth. It was like, dude, are you serious? Like, is there, like, is this, once again, tied to, like, the rise of Trumpian fascism? I mean, he clearly, like, encouraged in these demonstrations, you know. <clears throat> Right, he's been hashtagging liberate Minnesota, liberate Michigan. Like, these right-wing death cultists would rather see people risk their lives working instead of seeing anything like a universal basic income, a stimulus, or benefits to any extended period of time that we need during this uh, pandemic. They're saying that the cure is worse than the disease, and 
and they're referring to socialism as the cure, the benefits which they themselves are eligible to receive. But they have some Ayn Randian fear that once this whole thing is over, the coronavirus is gone, I guess, that there'll be hordes of unemployed people who are just demanding to continue to get paid despite not having jobs or whatever. Because that's obviously way worse than this pandemic, which has already killed a quarter of a million people worldwide. We have more deaths here in the U.S. than in any other country. And only in a month and a half into quarantine, you have people taking to the streets demanding that they reopen the country and be able to go about their business as if everything was normal and fine. As if their right to a fucking haircut is more important than the next person's right to not catch the coronavirus. It's, it's literally the most deadly plague that the world has seen in modern times, and people want to go around and act like everything is fine. <clears throat> like, I can understand the loneliness and alienation sure. of not being able to interact with people the way we were before COVID-19, but boredom is really not an excuse <coughs> to risk people's lives. I mean, if you talk to any nurses, if you talk to any doctors or whoever like that, these are people who are continually putting their lives, you know, at risk helping people, trying to help people, and they're recommending stay home, don't work, all these things. So it's like neglecting science. Well, clearly it's the science, uh, the science has had the priority here. And, you know, the decisions being made have to be based on, you know, rational analysis of the situation and, and not just like you know, wanting to get the economy going or, you know, I mean, Trump, Trump's probably the last, last clown that we would want, you know, running around telling people to drink, you know, bleach and stuff like that. Like, yeah. it's clearly not equipped to deal with this. Uh, I mean, we we are seeing Trump's base kind of showing up in large numbers, too. But some of the more hilarious uh, people who are triggered by this are like the Elon Musks of the world, the rich people who just aren't really making money like they used to or whatever. <laughs> he got all pissed off about, he's like, what about people's uh, freedom to work? <laughs> <laughs> this call will be terminated in two minutes. But for the most part, people have been quarantining and staying at home and most interesting someone made the comparison to being in solitary confinement and uh, I guess it's kind of true you know it's been a transformation of the culture you know I could, I could even see it being reflected on like the news and the commercials and programs like Saturday Night Live where they everybody's kind of like recording their own uh, you know video chat and this the social isolation is, is kind of like a form of imprisonment right um, and, and unfortunately I kind of think that that's what you know society it's kind of always wanted us to be, you know, the, like the BOP took away social visits and stuff like that. But, you know, the fact is they've always wanted to get rid of visits in the first place and replace it with video visitation. Uh, a lot of jails and stuff have completely gotten rid of uh, contact visits and have given people uh, uh, video visits instead. This was before COVID-19 that they were kind of phasing out visits in certain locations. They were, they were testing the wires. This call will be terminated in one minute. Yes, there are a lot of people who are making the comparison between stay-at-home orders and quarantining to that of the experience of being incarcerated, which I find a little ridiculous and disgusting. All right, damn, at least y'all have the internet, right? Yeah. I gotta say, though, it's become more spotty since this thing began. I'd be too scared to get that 5G and worry it's gonna give me coronavirus. Mm. Nah, just kidding. But if nothing else, we could hope people have a little more awareness and empathy for the plight of prisoners now that they themselves have had a mini taste of home confinement.
is actually a chance to reinvent society. Uh, you know, you have a lot of uh, people talking about going back to the way it used to be or opening the economy. You know, well, the old economy sucked. You know, it was a really cold and cruel. And so now, like, we have a chance to redesign some things, you know, and, and a lot of that's going on right now, for example, people being released from prison uh, is basically an admission that, you know, prisons, it was really never really necessary in the first place uh, to be having these people locked up. You know, uh, one thing I was thinking about is they had some commercial uh, for Microsoft, had some commercial for some uh, teleconferencing thing, right? And they had someone on there talking about the need to keep the police force going. I was like, really? Like, and it's, it's, it's sad that there really still is police out there, uh, law enforcement operations still arresting people, still violating people's probations at a time like this. You know, the whole thing now is, like, it just doesn't ring true anymore. Uh, the military, uh, the police, or even the meat industry, like he's talking about, it just seems unnecessary, and, and like this is really an opportunity to move our, our priorities away from the industry, from capitalism, and towards more community, health, science, education, and social programs. And so, uh, I, I think hopefully, we'll, uh, it's two futures out of this, two futures. Yeah, right. Do we choose to go back to the old ways, to the dead old ways, or do we want to choose to try to go do something new? You know, this is, uh, it's a, we're giving a little bit of a reset button. It's a costly one, but it's given us, you know, a chance to kind of reimagine how we want our society to look like. Mm-hmm. Okay, and we also want to give a uh, shout-out to the uh, Certain Days calendar. Um, we want to uh, let people know that they are accepting submissions for the uh, uh, 2021 uh, calendar, and that's, uh, calendars uh, commemorating uh, political prisoners, artwork, and writings. Yeah, it's actually the 20th edition of the Certain Days calendar. It's called, uh, this one they're going to call A Generation of Support Through the Bars. It's uh, The theme is reflecting on the roles of political prisoners in social justice movements, historically, currently, and as we look to the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good calendar produced by a good group of people, including prisoners, ex-prisoners, and prison abolitionists. Uh, you know, over the years, I've had it posted in my cell. Uh, it's kind of cool to think that, you know, across, you know, the world, in, in, in prisons, uh, people are, uh, you know, looking at the same calendar, and it's got a bunch of cool information about important dates. Um, so, uh, you know, I strongly recommend people check it out. Yeah, for sure. We also want to give a shout-out to everyone doing everything they can to get people out of these jails and prisons right now. To everyone going through people's individual legal cases and advocating for their releases, to others working on class action lawsuits and fighting for everyone to be released, no matter the charge. To everyone working grassroots movements, doing jail support, organizing call-in campaigns, and otherwise monitoring the unfolding disaster with regard to what's happening to prisoners right now. We're counting on your own. Well, that's our episode. We're glad to be back, and hopefully we'll continue to be providing y'all some quality twin trouble content. To everyone out there struggling and feeling inundated by the anxieties of a hopeless presence and a bleak future, To everyone who's sick and unable to access medical care, or experiencing job loss, or having to keep working. To anyone whose lives are trapped within the system of jails and prisons. Remember, the message of Mayday. Solidarity! We are stronger when we are helping each other out. So please, look out for people in your community if you can, extend yourself. And if or when you are feeling like you need help in any way, please remember, it's okay to reach out to others. We'll get through this. We won't let coronavirus nor capitalism keep us down. Flatten the curve. Disinfect yourself from the state. And Jeremy, I do believe I speak for everyone when I say that when you get out, I'm going to give you a huge, massive hug. Yeah. We'll probably both be in hazmat oh, okay. suits, though.
All right, this is Jason from Chicago signing out. This is Jeremy from Prison Nation. See you next time at Twin Toes. You've been listening to a new four-way split between Hagathor, Neckbeard, Death Camp, Closet Witch, and Race Trader. Check them all out. Thank you. And I'm also throwing in a special track by Glutton for Insurrection at the very end, so check that out too. Hang in there. We'll see you next time on Twin Trouble. Everybody wants to be a free thinker, or they want to be perceived to be a free thinker. They want to be perceived as a risk taker, uh, a rebel, an outlaw, all these edgy sounding things, until it comes time to actually deal with the repercussions from that stuff.